Welcome to the Billingshurst Family Church Podcast. For more information or to support our work in Billingshurst and the surrounding areas, please visit billingshurstfamily.church. Um, hi, my name's Nina and I'm a member here at BFC. And as Neil has just been explaining, we're going to be diving in over summer to the um, Old Testament and exploring characters that reflect Christ-like similarities and foreshadow Jesus. And I'm going to be looking in particular at redemptive love. As some of you know, I'm an avid reader. I read all sorts of different types of books. And if I ever find a book that I really love, I source the charity shops for more copies and then give them out to my friends. And um, one such book that I was excited to discover was by a Christian author, Francine Rivers, called Redeeming Love. And I do have a few copies with me outside, if anybody would like any at the end. Um, Francine Rivers was originally a successful romantic fiction writer, but after she converted to Christianity, she found she had horrendous writer's block. She felt at that time that God was just telling her to pour her time and effort into getting to know him first. So she read her Bible, she prayed, she listened, she learned, and in one Bible study, she came across the book of Hosea. The discovery of this book that we're going to look at today hit her hard, and she knew that this was the love story that God wanted her to write. And so she wrote a work of fiction based on the marriage of Hosea and his adulterous wife, Goma. In her intro, she writes, I hope this story will help you see who Jesus is and how much he loves you, and may the Lord draw you to him. She writes, this story, a deeply moving story of his passionate love for each of us, unconditional, forgiving, unchanging, everlasting, self-sacrificing, the kind of love for which most people hunger their entire lives for yet never find. And certainly for me, as I read the story of Angel, the former prostitute, and her relationship with Michael Hosea, a man who seeks his father's heart in marrying Angel and loving her unconditionally despite her resistance, I saw clear parallels to Jesus. Although we must be careful to remember that this is only a work of fiction, Nevertheless, her depiction of the emotions of the characters was so raw that they completely drew me in. They were so relatable, and they made me turn to the Bible to look for the original story. So, Hosea lived around 700-odd years before the birth of Christ. Jesus Christ, sorry. Uh, we don't know how much Hosea's history, of his history, but we do know his story. Hosea is told by God to marry and have a family with an adulterous wife. We, we don't know to what extent this adultery was already part of her life, but the implications were clear that if she wasn't already a prostitute, she was certainly heading that way. We know that Hosea complied with God's wishes as he went on to have three children with her, so they were obviously together for a number of years. Um, however, during this time, there is an indication that uh, not all of the children were his, so perhaps there was not a happily ever after with this marriage. We also know that at some point, Goma left the marriage and family home whether she was thrown out for her infidelity or whether she ran away to pursue other men, we're not quite sure, but we do know that she was adulterous. And in those days, infidelity was punishable by stoning and it definitely would have warranted a divorce. And yet Hosea doesn't do either of these things. So already we see a hint of him showing mercy. And he goes on to show even more when God asks him to go and buy Goma back again and love her again. And so he goes to find her. We, we don't know where. It was perhaps a whorehouse. Um, he had to pay a considerable price required for her freedom. He then brings her home back to where she belongs. And in loving her and reinstating her into the marriage and family home, he redeems her and purifies her. 
When Craig first asked us who we'd like to talk about today, I felt Hosea straight away. But then I struggled to think about how to bring any personal element into my talk. I can't possibly comprehend what Hosea did, loyally and repeatedly loving a wife that showed no interest in him, humiliating himself by seeking her out when he'd fled, and financial, financially suffering in order to pay to get her back, and knowing then that none of it was even appreciated. I don't know what it is to love that sacrificially, and probably most of us would struggle to think of someone that was willing to go to such extents repeatedly as Hosea did for his wayward wife. When chatting about it with a friend on Thursday, he suggested perhaps fostering touches on something of sacrificially loving children that aren't yours and bringing them into your family life. Initially, I didn't, I didn't really see it because for me to love uh, a baby who isn't biologically mine is quite easy. They're mostly cute and they come with no intentional behavior. Um, but then another lovely friend of mine reminded me about our time with our last foster baby, Reggie, and how difficult that had been. This friend had spent time with him and me uh, at the hospital and also when we brought him home. And she said it impacted her hugely to see this baby, a product of his background, born a drug addict, very distressed, suffering pain, unable to settle, not able to be comforted, and the huge impact he had not just on me, but our whole family and our normal life as we had known it. She was right. It was really hard. And at times I did feel like giving up. And I also think of all the horror stories from other foster carers with troubled teens that are stretched to the limit, yet they remain committed to them when they could easily turn away and just get on with enjoying their retirement or go on a few holidays. So perhaps fostering does bear some similarities. Back to Hosea then. He was living at a time when Israel, God's chosen people, were doing really well for themselves materially, but sadly, morally, they were corrupt, turning away from God and to pagan gods and all that that entailed. God chose to speak through Hosea to Israel to warn them of the devastating consequences that would befall them if they continued to sin and break their covenant with God. And the analogy God used through Hosea to represent this broken relationship of a faithful nation and God was one of a faithful marriage the one between Hosea and his wife, Gomer. So in chapter one, God tells Hosea, go take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness. Or as the ESV Bible says, a wife of whoredom. This is an explicit and horrible description, but it serves well to reflect how far Israel had fallen and how defiled and dirty and disloyal they were and how they were heading for deserved destruction and punishment. We need to fully appreciate how far they'd fallen in order to appreciate the momentous love and faithfulness that enabled redemption to take place. Because after all, the story of Hosea, the story of God and Israel, is a story of redemptive love. And it's this redeeming of his wife, Gomer, by Hosea that alludes to what Jesus came to do, to redeem himself a nation by dying on the cross. Jesus paid our price on the cross. We had turned our back on him and we were adulterous, and he, out of love, gave us the ultimate gift of grace when he acted on our behalf and went to the cross. To redeem means to regain something that was lost, to buy something back, to deliver from something. And redemptive is a willingness to do the right thing, even though that willingness may not be reciprocated, and acting to save someone from error or evil. A redemptive love is one that surpasses unconditional love and has a sacrificial element to it, there's usually an element in the act of redeeming that leads to freedom once a debt has been paid. And this sacrificing of 
oneself in love and for love. Sounds like just what happened at the cross. One of the first character traits we see in Hosea is his complete obedience to God, obedience even to suffering. In entering into a marriage like this, Hosea faced rejection, hurt, pain, and humiliation. And there's a part in Redeeming Love when Michael has been asked by God to take Angel as his wife, and he calls out in anguish to the Lord, Lord, did I misunderstand? I must have. This can't be the one. And he pleads with God to change his mind. He doesn't feel strong enough to go through with it. In Hosea, we don't actually read any of his emotions. We just know he obeyed, and not just once, but repeatedly. Hosea did what was asked, despite knowing that difficulties lay ahead, because he knew it was the Father's plan and his Father's will. And in time to come, there would be another one who had an even bigger suffering to endure. And Jesus would pray in Matthew 26, verse 39, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And so it was done. Jesus was unfairly tried and put to death on the cross in order to win his people back to God, for love between them to flourish once more. In Philippians 2 verse 8, it said, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. His whole being, his whole reason for existence, was so that the world may know I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Another similarity to Jesus is Hosea's faithfulness and mercy and the lengths he went to to keep his marriage alive. Although in faithfulness may have damaged her integrity, it didn't stop Hosea from loving Gomer in spite of her failures. Even though Israel had wandered away from God, he was still faithful to them as a nation and Jesus is still faithful to us and he thinks we are worth it. And he went to great efforts to bring us to him. We may still be tempted to run after other lovers, ourselves, power, pleasure, money, or recognition. But Jesus' love is tender, loyal, unchanging, unending, and redeeming. And he pursues us like a shepherd searches for every last sheep. In 1 Peter 2:25, it says, For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd. So just before we get on to what does that mean and what do we do now, I'd like to invite the band to come back up and find a space behind me, just so that we again can be ready to worship at the end. Shall I just carry on? I'll carry on. Uh, so what does that mean for us now? Um, we live now at the point of dwelling in the redemptive love of Jesus, purchased for us on the cross. And similar to the mercy shown to Gomer, we didn't earn it. It was a gift of grace, freely given and giving us freedom to seek to live lives reflecting this transformative love. A new beginning, a fresh start. It frees us from the inevitable path of destruction that we would otherwise be on and calls for a change to our living. Jesus invites us to live in relationship with him and the Father. And we now no longer belong to ourselves, doing just what pleases us. We belong to God and doing what pleases and honors him will result in our own joy. What will that look like in our family relationships, our church family, our lives at large, our agendas? Uh, we may not be asked to lay down our lives or commit knowingly to an adulterous relationship, but we may be asked to lay some other things down. Our preferences, our dreams, our agendas, especially if these things compromise our Christian life. And when we're truly repentant, then that new beginning is ours. 
In Everyday Choices by Dorothy Little Greco, she opens with the verse of John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him may not die, but have eternal life. She acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the ultimate reference point for what it means to love sacrificially. His obedience cost him everything, his reputation, his well-being, his comfort, his life, and when he gave up his spirit, even his very connection to God the Father. Sacrificial love is never cheap and does not happen coincidentally. She writes, we know what true love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. God offers us opportunities to tangibly and sacrificially love others on a daily, if not hourly, basis. It could be taking an unknown child into your family and loving them despite challenging behavior and little reward. It might be befriending a local lonely neighbor and hanging out with them instead of watching our favorite TV show. It might be giving up our lunchtime visit to the pub and listening to a colleague share their sorrow. Or it might be apologizing to someone and extending grace when there's been nothing to deserve it. The mad Russian monk Rasputin thought that this freedom meant we should go out and sin more so that God could exercise his grace more often and then in being forgiven, we would feel more of his love. But how we miss the point. This redeeming that Christ did for us by grace is not an excuse to sin more, but a reason not to sin. Paul writes, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order just, that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too, we too may live a new life. Romans 6, verse 1 to 2. As we see when Hosea brings Goma back, there is a consequence for being saved. Hosea tells us she's to remain at home and not go out. I guess to reduce the risk of temptation and show respect and honor to the one who saved her. And in doing that, he purifies her. We too, in being saved, have the chance to actively turn from our old life and honor the new one and the new start we've been given. Let's not get sucked back into our old lives. I'll leave you with a small nugget of wisdom that I read and I really loved and hope to keep reminding myself of. It says, don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life.